Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning, good morning. If you were in the back, come on up and grab a seat. There's plenty of seats up front if you want to grab a seat up front. I'm excited to be with you guys this morning and worship together. If you're joining us online, I'm so happy to, um, that you're able to tune in this morning as well. Um, why don't you guys stand up together? Why don't we stand up together as we sing? Lord, 
I was 
Last couple of weeks, we've been learning this new song. Um, when I fight, I fight on my knees, God, with hands lifted high. Oh, God, the battle belongs to you, guys. When you think about fighting, the first, I'm sure the last thing in your mind is to raise your hands. Like if you think you're going to go into a battle, you want to protect yourself. But when we, when we worship, we worship this amazing God who says, I'm going to take that battle. I'm going to fight it for you. So when we sing this this morning, I encourage you guys, if, it's, if you're comfortable with it, when we sing, so I fight, I fight on my knees with hands lifted high, try it. Try it and see what happens. Because for us, for me as a worship leader, I love the, just the imagery of that. As you come and you, as you lift your hands and it's like, I got to unprotect myself to come before God and be vulnerable to say, God, I want, I'm giving you the battles today. I'm giving you what I can't fight on my own. This last week, um, my family and I actually, we left church last Sunday and drove to Lake Tahoe and then got home last night in time for church. So the time you didn't see me this week, I was in Lake Tahoe. And, uh, and it was, for me, it's a, it's a chance to stop and um, as, you, as you just kind of look at the lake and look at the trees. And we were walking and we were hiking one day and you stand at the bottom of the trees and you look up and I almost fell backwards because you're looking up and you can't look back far enough. And I'm like, God created this. The God that we worship and the God that we give this, give our battles to, to fight, spoke these trees into existence. Now, granted, they started small and they got bigger. But like you stand there and go, God, this God, these trees are so tall. These trees are singing to you, God. The rocks, the, your creation. So this morning as we sing, I encourage you guys, um, I encourage you guys to stand at that foot of that tree and look up and remember that we worship an amazing God. Let's sing this together. Fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. 
thank you for this time, God, this place where we can come and sing, God, declaring that you are an amazing God, declaring that we worship an amazing God. Father, this morning we worship you, we learn about you, God, and we are thankful for this community time together. It probably sings your name. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. Thanks, Jason. I love that song. I feel like it's such a declaration. Whatever battle you're fighting today. I love that God tells us to fight in prayer, to fight on our knees. And so good. 
Just love that song. Well, welcome. We're so glad you're here at Solana Valley Church today. It's great seeing all of your faces and seeing kids. It's just such a blessing. And welcome everybody who's joining us online as well. Uh, we're glad you're joining us today, and we're glad that you're all here. So one of the values we have here at Solana Valley is really we want everybody to connect and grow. So our values are to worship, grow, serve, and reach. And so one of the main ways for us to connect and grow as a follower of Jesus is in a small group setting. And I love that Jesus himself, he really set that example for us. And when he lived his ministry, ages 30 to 33, he primarily invested his life into 12 men. It was like his own small group. And out of those 12, there were three, Peter, James, and John, who were like the leaders of the disciples. And I love that he, he didn't just see them once a week. He lived with them. He, they had meals together. They walked. They talked. When there were challenges, they could all see how Jesus responded. And when there were situations that were really unique, They just learned from the master, from Jesus himself, because they were with him and they spent time with him. And what I value about being in a small group is that I need to worship with the church body every week, our church family. But I also need kind of that smaller setting where we can kind of talk about, you know, how are you doing and what are you learning from whatever you're studying. And, you know, each group has a different book of the Bible they're studying So hearing what other people are learning, and then not only that, but, you know, how was your week? How can I pray for you? So we just want to encourage you, if you haven't already, and so many of you are already in a group, and I'm so glad, And but if you haven't yet done that, I just want to encourage you, just go for it. On our SVC app, it shows the groups that are open, and we have a couple, uh, we have four at least that are going on, actually five, and so there are different times and availabilities, but I just want to encourage all of you to get connected and start really growing in that small group setting. So one of our other privileges as following Jesus is really investing in the kingdom of God. And the truth is, is when it comes to spending money, all of us have to spend money on some stuff. Like for me, my home management day is Mondays. That's when I pay all our bills. I do our grocery shopping. And the truth is, is in life, we have to spend money on stuff that's like not fun sometimes. And to me, that would kind of be labeled, you know, not the fun part, but you just have to do it. But then there are things I love spending money on, like shopping, like if it's one of my kids' birthdays or Gary and I, our anniversary is in a week or so, and we're going to go to Monterey. And it's like, yeah, we're going to spend the money because it's worth it investing in our marriage and getting away for a few days. So I'm super excited. So that's like something we get to do. And really investing in building the kingdom of God It's something we get to do as followers of Jesus. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. And when I I know I want to invest in something that's going to way outlive me, that's going to be way beyond things that are temporary. And investing in something that's eternal. What's eternal is God, his word, the Bible, and people's souls. 
that's eternal. And when you invest in the local church here at Solana Valley, we are about building the kingdom of God and reaching this community for Jesus Christ. And I get excited about investing in something that's really going to outlive me and that's way bigger than I am. So I just want to invite you, and I want to say thank you. For those of you that are giving so generously, thank you for giving to the ministry here at Solana Valley. So at this time, um, I'm going to invite Gary to come up. He's going to continue his series on building stronger homes. So take it away, Gary. All right. Thank you, little tweet. Hey, guys. How y'all doing today? Good, good. So good to see you. So uh, I've got some good news for you uh, at, on several levels. Uh, well, I mean, the most obvious good news is that Jesus has risen. That's good news, okay? Uh, and he's coming again. That's good news as well. Um, but he's coming again. And uh, more good news uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Matt Skinner will be coming home. Matt and Carolyn will be coming home on Memorial Day weekend. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? So Matt is doing really well. He's responded really well to the surgery, to the uh, bone uh, transplant, or not, whatever you call it, bone marrow transplant. I knew I was saying it wrong. Uh, But he's doing really, really well. It'll still be a while before they can actually come here on a Sunday morning. Carolyn will be able to come, but Matt won't for a while. He has to wear this, it looks like a gas mask kind of a thing. You know, he's going to look like, the next time we see him, he'll look like Darth Vader, all right? Okay, maybe not like Darth Vader, but he'll be wearing this thing and, and, and he'll have some, uh, there, there'll be some things like that. So, uh, but we're just super, super grateful about that. Also, uh, more good news. Uh, things are really running well with COVID a lot better, uh, with the mass vaccinations of so many people. Uh, it has really, really helped things. Uh, one of the things that the doctors, the medical, professionals of our country, where they want to get us is a place which is called herd immunity, meaning that so many people have either been infected by the virus and have recovered, like my son, like my mom, like my sister, but so many people have been infected and recovered, or so many of us have been vaccinated, that what happens is it doesn't spread as rapidly as it would otherwise. So what the... Uh, CDC has said this last week uh, is that we are able, those who have been vaccinated are able to know that you're no longer required to wear masks in certain situations, uh, including public and private, indoor and outdoor, although there are some exceptions. So, for example, when we have to fly back to see our families this summer, we'll still be wearing masks, even though we've been uh, vaccinated. So there are a few exceptions. Uh, and uh, But the one thing, there is a caveat that's a little bit, it's kind of in the fine print, that's not getting as much, it's not in the headlines, okay, it's not in the headlines. And the, the fine print kind of looks like this, is that if you are vaccinated like me, and you're not wearing a mask, and you're around someone who has not been vaccinated, and later we discover that they have COVID, then I have to go into uh, quarantine for 14 days. So there's still some things, we're still not like completely out of the woods, but this is what you need to understand is we are getting there. So what we're going to do is uh, this next week, we're going to wait, we're going to see uh, what the state of California, how they respond to what the CDC is saying. And then, then let, me, let me explain to you kind of how we make decisions as a church. 
that every year, one of the things that you do is you vote on who the elders are. And the elders basically function, well, they have a spiritual role to be spiritual shepherds of our church. But then also they have a corporate role to be like the executive arm of the church. And that's where decision making happens. And so, in, in, by the way, you also get to vote on hiring and firing the pastor. So just so you know that, okay? We, we, we do vote on the elders every year. We don't vote on hiring and firing me every year, which I'm glad, all right? But, but what we do is, as the elder team, where are my glasses at? I can't see. By the way, I broke my prescription glasses last night. So I'm having to wear these other glasses, and it's like every time I use them, I get a headache. So if I start scrunching and looking, you know, weird, you, you understand. Uh, so bottom line, we, gee, uh, bottom line, I know. So I'm going to wear it like this. All right. Is that, does that look weird? Does that look like what if you're like your third grade teacher when you're growing up? Um, uh, so, so what, what it looks like for us, this is how we seek, uh, guidance. This is how we seek to make decisions, uh, as the elders is we always first and foremost want to be guided by scripture. Okay. What does the Bible say? Now, the Bible doesn't say a lot about COVID, but the Bible does say a lot about other things. So we want to be guided by Scripture. Secondly, we want to be guided by prayer. We want to pray and ask God for his leading. We believe that that's important. We believe that as we pray, the Holy Spirit gives us uh, wisdom based upon the teaching of God's word, which is the third thing. So we want to be we want to be guided by Scripture. We want to be guided by prayer, but we also want to be guided by wisdom. In our church, we are very fortunate to have as one of our elders uh, a, a doctor who is very well informed on the matters that, that all the releases that come through the Kaiser system from the CDC government, all that kind of good stuff. So he gets to see everything. So, um, so Rich, one of our elders, we lean into heavily, we lean on him heavily on medical matters. Uh, if it's financial matters, uh, Steve solves all of our problems, uh, <laughs> but he has a background in financial planning. So if we have an engineering problem, I call Eric. All right. So uh, if our, there's a plumbing problem, I call the rest of you. I don't know. So but what we do is we seek to be guided by people who have real experience, real training, real wisdom. OK, uh, and then uh, but we also are guided by our mission, our vision framework. Joy alluded to to this earlier, that our strategy as a church is to worship, grow, serve, and reach. That means we want to worship God in all we do. We want to grow in Christ day by day. We want to serve others over self, and we want to reach our community and our world one person at a time. And so we want to be guided by our mission of making disciples in our strategy. So this is how we, we look at all these things and how we make decisions. So what we're going to do this week is we'll take into account what the CDC says. We'll take into account to what the, the state uh, says. We probably will call some of you, not all of you, because we do want to. Rich suggested it might be wise for us to just get feedback input from some of you. And we're going to make a decision that will not make everybody happy, uh, because you never make a decision that makes everybody happy. I, I'm in a family of five, okay? And, you know, not, you know, but we're going to do what we believe God is calling us to do in a way that honors, glorifies him, helps us to live out our mission and vision framework effectively in this community. So and then being oh, one thing I didn't say is we always want to be guided by love. Right. Uh, so that was one of the things that we always look to. So for me, for example, you know, the reason I wear my mask 
is not because I'm afraid one of you are, are going to give me COVID. I really, that's not really a fear of mine. But I wear my mask out of love and respect for other people who are concerned that they could get it from me, even though I'm pretty confident I'm healthy, I've been vaccinated, uh, and I'm pretty sure I haven't been infected where I can infect someone else. But still, what I do, I do out of love and respect uh, and we do in trying to honor uh, God. So that's kind of the message before the message. Uh, so what we're doing right now, we're doing a series on building stronger homes, building stronger homes. And I believe it's very important that we look at what the word of God tells us about things like like uh, relationships, like marriage, like family. And uh, every year we take a short period of time where we do this. We want to go through books of the Bible. But it's also important that we address really important uh, topics like this from time to time. And so last week what we did, dang it, I left my Bible in my backpack behind that little desk back there. Can you grab that real quick, Tweet? Okay, can someone, anybody know any jokes while she gets my Bible? Just kidding. All right, all right. Uh, She's getting it. So one of the things I did last week was uh, we we talked about love as the centerpiece of the home. And what we said is that when love permeates our relationships, thank you, little tweet, when love permeates our relationships, when love permeates our marriages, when love permeates our homes, we create safe places. We create safe places that are very safe for people to thrive. And that's what we want. We want, our, we want our marriages, we want our relationships in the home and outside the home, we want them to be permeated by love. Why? Because, um, because love creates a safe place where people thrive. And so one of the things I encouraged you to do last week was I encouraged you to write uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verses 4 through 8 on an index card. I wrote it on two index cards. One is taped to my mirror uh, where I brush my teeth every morning and every night before I go to bed. And it actually has a little bit of toothpaste on it. Okay? So I brush my teeth vigorously. All right? So, but one of the things I encourage you to do is to put this up there so you saw it every morning when you first get up. Last thing when you go to bed, read it every morning, every night. And what I encouraged you to do in last week's message was to pray this into your lives. By the way. This really helped me. This really helped me. Because, see, what the Bible says is love is patient. By the way, when I'm in a hurry, I don't have time to be patient. Did you know that? But love is patient. But I'm in a hurry. And when I'm in a hurry, I don't have time to be patient. But wait a second. Love is patient. Uh, Love is patient. Love is kind. You know where this really helped me? Driving through Los Angeles a week and a half ago. Seriously. Seriously. Now, my daughter's convinced that I wasn't patient when I was driving the back roads between, I can't remember where we were at then. Anyway, uh, it was a shortcut. Anyway, uh, I'm good at shortcuts. I'm good at shortcuts. And uh, so, uh, anyway, but what we want to do is we want our lives to, we want our families, we want our marriages to be permeated with love. The other thing that we want to do is we want to build our marriages, our families on a strong foundation. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to talk about building 
building our lives on, in building our homes on a foundation of truth. Okay, on a foundation of truth. That, that truth has been defined as, by both Merriam-Webster and also Wikipedia, which is always right. Well, no, it's not. But uh, it defines truth as this. Truth is the property, the property of being in accord with fact or reality. Okay? It, it is the property of being in accord with fact or reality. This is what the Bible says about truth. This is what Jesus says about truth. And this is a fantastic statement. This is what Jesus says. Jesus says this. He says, he's praying for his disciples. This is the night he will be betrayed and arrested. The next day he is going to be cruelly beaten, crown of horns, thorns put on his head. He's going to be stripped naked. Lay down on a cross. And he's going to have spikes driven through his hands and his feet. And he's going to hang there. And he's going to die slowly of asphyxiation because that's what happens when you're being crucified. You can breathe air in, but you can't breathe it out. And that's how he's going to die. But his concern on this night wasn't about himself. His concern this night was not on what he was going to face on the following day. His, that night would the focus of Jesus was on his disciples, by the way. And he says, I pray not only for these, but those who believe through these. That means that on that night, Jesus was praying for you. And this is what Jesus prayed for you. And this is what Jesus prayed for me. As he prayed these words, he says, sanctify them, my disciples, those who are present with him, us today. Sanctify them, make them holy. You know what holy means? You ever seen, well, hopefully you haven't, you ever seen gangrene, what it does to a, a person's body, rotting flesh? It's pretty nasty. Uh, holiness is, is like complete health, okay? Instead of being rotten, it is healthy. And what God wants for us is he doesn't want us to be holier than thou, but he wants us to be holy in the sense of being fully restored and healthy spiritually. And the word sanctified, that's what it means, to be made holy. Be made holy. And so Jesus says this. He says, sanctify them how? By the truth. And then what Jesus says is this. He says, your word is truth. Aletheia. It's a Greek word. I learned something really unique about this yesterday. I think I'd always assumed that that when the New Testament, I'd always assumed that that the word here for truth was in uh, was an adjective. But what John uses and what Jesus said was the noun for truth, meaning that not just that there is a truth that's higher than the scriptures that the scriptures conform to, it means your word is truth. That those two things are completely indistinguishable. The truth will never, never, never contradict God's word. Because God is truth, just as God is love. Uh, I'm sorry, I got onto a sermon without my, my okay. 
Uh, as a follower of Jesus, for us, Jesus is the truth. Uh, the, the, as a follower of Jesus, truth is living in accord with the fact and reality of God's word. Truth, all truth, emanates from God. So week before last, I mentioned to you the other day, we went to Los Angeles. Let's talk about Los Angeles for a moment, all right? Uh, Los Angeles. There it is. Well, I am glad I am here. <laughs> Sorry. If Anybody here from L.A.? Chriselle is. <laughs> no, she's from Orange County. <laughs> she gets upset when I say, oh, you're from L.A. So, uh, so uh, you know, if you're from that part of our state, uh, maybe you know how to drive around, uh, uh, drive around Los Angeles and Orange County. Me, on the other hand, I need a GPS. Now, I feel like I have an internal GPS. I do. I feel that way. I feel like I know where I'm going. I feel like I know how to get there. And usually it's true until I go to Los Angeles. And then it's not true. I have learned that if I do not turn on a GPS on my phone... I almost always get lost. I need a GPS to help me navigate my way through Los Angeles. And in the same way, uh, here's what, uh, just in case you didn't know this, did you know life is a lot more complicated than L.A.? Yeah. Life is filled with all kinds of decisions. Life is filled with great complexity. Life is filled with um, challenges and difficulties and painful moments and good moments as well. And what I need and what all of us need is we need, we need a spiritual GPS. We need a spiritual GPS. We need, we need a moral, spiritual compass that always points true north, not magnetic north, but true north. We need something that tells us the way to go. That sometimes what happens is the reason that a lot of pain comes into our lives at times, not always, but at times, a lot of times pain comes into our lives because we trust too much in our internal compass and not enough on God's true north compass. We rely too much on our internal GPS and not enough on a GPS that when we live according to us, we experience great blessing. And it creates opportunity for us to thrive. Let's talk for a moment about why it's important to build your life, your marriage, your family on the teaching of Jesus, and on a spiritual GPS. In uh, Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, and I'm going to read for us today, Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. And, uh, and, and by the way, real quick, Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 are a part of one great big long sermon by Jesus. By the way, it's still, uh, if you read it, if you just read it from beginning to end, it's a lot shorter than my sermons, okay? But it's a long sermon. It's a long sermon. And at the very end of this long sermon, this is what Jesus says. 
about his teaching. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Can you say that with me? Puts them into practice. Let's say it again. Puts them into practice. Key words. All right. Very important. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. Who built his house on the rock. The rain came down. The streams. The streams rose. The winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall. Because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine, did you hear that? Everyone who hears these words of mine, you hear this. This is a person who shows up on Sunday morning. They hear the word. This may be a person who picks up his Bible every day and reads it. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. You see that? Does not put them into practice is like a foolish man. Like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down. The streams rose. The winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. The difference between these two men isn't that one went through a life storm and the other did not. It's just so you know, your life, you're either, you know, all of us here, every person here, you're one of three people. Either you are coming out of a storm, or you're in the middle of a storm, or you're coming out of a storm. Uh, you know, there's this, I don't know, uh, the prosperity gospel movement likes to say that God wants you to be healthy and wealthy and all that kind of good stuff. But the interesting thing is, is when you read through the scriptures, first of all, Jesus was very poor, okay, very poor. And, and the people of God routinely suffered. They did. In fact, I don't know how many of you are reading through uh, the uh, walkthrough Bible. Looks like this, the daily walk Bible. Anybody using that? Okay, a few of you. All right. Uh, it's divided up into 365 readings, so you read through the entire Bible in a year. Uh, today, we began reading through the, the, the book of Job, Job 1 through 3. And in Job chapter 1, life is pretty sweet for Job. I mean, he's got seven sons. He's got three daughters. He is extremely wealthy. Life is good. But then Satan and God have this little conversation. And, uh, and, 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 and God says to, to Job, he says, have you considered my servant Job? He's a pretty cool dude. That's in the Hebrew, okay? He, he is a pretty cool dude. He's got it together. And what Satan says, well, he's got it together because everything he does, you bless I mean, he's got this family. He's got all this money. Of course he blesses you. You take all that stuff away from him, he will curse you to your face. So God says, well, okay, I'm going to let you uh, let you do what you do. You're the destroyer. I'm going to let you destroy, but do not touch, his, his, do not touch Job. And so his, it, there's this terrible storm. He loses his seven sons, his three daughters. He loses all of his wealth, and at the end of this, God, you know what Job does? Is he blesses and praises God. And in chapter 2, 
Satan and God, they have another little conversation. Satan again says, have you considered my servant Job? Look at this. You, 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 uh, you incited all these terrible things against him, and yet he's still praising and worshiping me. And, 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 and Satan says to God, he says this, skin for skin. Skin for skin. You know, as long as we don't touch his body, of course he's not going to curse you. you know, he'll let his family die. He'll give up the wealth, but skin for skin. You let me touch his body, and I guarantee you, he'll curse you. So again, God allows Job to be touched by Satan, and it is horrific. Okay? Terrible skin disease. And uh, the whole book of Job is about this terrible suffering that he goes through. But in the end, you know what Job does? He trusts in God. His foundation is built on God. His foundation is built on truth. What's your foundation built on? So why build, let's talk about this, why I build my life on, in my family, my marriage on Jesus, his teaching, uh, the teaching of Scripture. And, uh, and, and, and this for me, you know, in the world, this is what the world says. I don't know if you've ever heard this. The world likes to say, oh, truth is relative. The truth is relative. You have your truth. I have my truth. You have to be true to yourself. That works. Well, it doesn't work very well in brain surgery. Uh, It doesn't work very well in landing a plane at an airport. In fact, it really doesn't work well in very many things. This is saying my internal compass is going to be my God while you let your internal compass be your God. But I don't think it really works out that well. I think we, you know, the reason that I build my life, you know, what are you going to look to? What are you going to look to for your ultimate guide guide in matters of truth? Are you going to look to your community? Are you going to look to the experts? Are you going to look to Oprah, Dr. Phil, the opinions of a celebrity? This just fascinates me. This fascinates me is how a celebrity will make a statement, you know, and like everybody's supposed to follow what the celebrity says. And I'm like, but they have no life experience in what they're talking about. There's a big difference between being an actor and actually living something and having life experience with something. And and I'm not trying to diminish celebrities. I'm just saying that because they're a celebrity doesn't make them or make that right. So the truth is, is what are you going to look to for truth? Are you going to look within? You going to look at someone else, or will you look look to God? This is why I look to Jesus. Very, very fascinating, interesting. Um, in the Bible, uh, I have to look at this real quick. Mate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the word "truth," "truly," and "true" are used 354 times in the Bible. 354 times. But they are used in the Gospel of John, which we have recently been studying and we're going to return to. They are used in the Gospel of John almost 19% of the time. There are more references to truth and true. By the way, the Gospel of John, you know, I mean, I don't know how big your Bible is, how thick it is. Uh, This is how thick my Bible is. And let me show you the Gospel of John real quick. Okay, so this is the Gospel of John. 
Almost a fifth of the references to truth, true, and truly are used in these pages right here. Isn't that amazing? And, and part of what John is trying to say to us is that, that, that when you think about truth and when you think about Jesus, uh, that these two things are interconnected. And you need to really think about this. Uh, in the Gospel of John, when, when John introduces us to Jesus, he says about Jesus, for the law was given through Moses. That's the first five books of the Old Testament. The law was given through Moses, but grace... Grace, that's God's kindness towards you and me. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. In, in John chapter 3, John says uh, 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 to people about those who will come to Jesus and those who want. He says this, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, meaning Jesus uh, whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. When speaking with a group of Jews who believed in Jesus, Jesus said this. He said this. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Do you want to be free today? Do you want to be free? Then you want Jesus. You want Jesus. If you hold to my teaching, Jesus says, you are really my disciples. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. When speaking with his disciples about his identity, Jesus says this. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then Paul, not always gentle. Paul, he's not always gentle. I mean, I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe, I guess maybe he is gentle, but he doesn't always come across as gentle, all right? Um, it, this is what... Paul says about truth. The wrath of God, that's kind of a bad thing. You don't want anything to do with that. Okay? The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. See, here's the thing is you can, I can live my life by an internal compass. And when I do, when I live my life by my internal moral compass... I find that I struggle more with pride. I find that I'm maybe a little bit more selfish. I find that, you know, uh, the world should be about me more than I should be about loving and serving others. Uh, that, that we need this moral compass, at least I do, uh, something that is true, something that's true. So let's talk about how to build our lives on the truth of Jesus in the Scriptures. So uh, five things here, and uh, the, what this is going to look like is read, read, get, plug, pray, okay? And I know you can't read this. For those of you on Facebook, and yeah, no. Well, yeah, you can, you can go big with it. Eric, you can go big with it. Uh, this way, people who are watching from Facebook or watching from YouTube, they can, they can see it better. So they, they, they're no longer looking at me, so I could make faces at them, all that kind of good stuff. 
Hey guys, hey, we're really glad you're with us. So anyway, what this says is how to build your lives on the truth of Jesus and the scriptures. First of all, read, read your Bible, read your Bible consistently. Uh, read it, I would say, read it daily. The set aside time. Now, if you're one of those people who gets up like super early and you got to run out of the house at like four in the morning to be at work, if that were me, I would find another job. Okay. Uh, but if, if I thought, well, I really like this job and I want to keep it, then I would probably spend time reading the Bible after I got home. Or what I might do is I might get it like, um, uh, listen to it uh, like do audible. Uh, or something like that, where I can listen to it like as I drive to, to, to work. But, but read your Bible and read it consistently daily, okay? The secondly to, to do this is to, to, to read it consistently, but, but secondly, um, is to read your Bible systematically. Read your Bible systematically. And, and what I mean by this is to, is to, uh, read like, like, if you're not currently reading the Bible, what I would encourage you to do is begin with Matthew chapter 1. Begin with the New Testament and just read a chapter a day. So Matthew 1, then Matthew 2, Matthew 3. After 89 days, you will read through all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And if you continue to do this, and let's say you're one of those people who reads it almost every day, like maybe not every day, maybe you miss two days a week but you're very consistent five days a week, that's great. That's fantastic. You know, if you're not currently reading, that would be fantastic. But if you continue to do that, where you're just doing five chapters a week, in one year you'll read through the entire New Testament. Okay? And, and as you read, and you're reading systematically, a lot of times, for me, it's important to read it once. I kind of get a sense of what it's saying, and then I'll read it a second time. And a lot of times, if I'm really struggling with it, I'll read it aloud, but I'll read it kind of under my breath because my wife is in the very next room and I don't want to disturb her while she's reading her Bible. Okay, But but what I do is I read it consistently. Uh, I, another thing that helps with consistent reading is uh, is this daily walk Bible is divided up into 365 readings. So you read through the entire Bible in a year. And it gives you a little introduction each day to what you're about to read with some little notes. And a lot of people have told me they have found this very, very helpful. So uh, this last year, uh, my son and both of my daughters, uh, all three of them read through the entire Bible using this. And uh, right now, Joy and I are using it, reading through the Bible again. Uh, but, but read, uh, so read uh, consistently, but also read systematically. You know, find a way to actually, where you're actually reading through all the New Testament or reading through all the Bible, okay? Uh, so uh, read uh, consistently, systematically, and then get, stands for get a good tool to help you with difficult to understand passages. So have any of you ever reading your Bible before, read something and you thought, wow, that sounds strange? Have you, anybody had that experience? Okay, just me, just me. All right, yeah, my wife's saying yes. All right, a couple of us. All right, so... If you could only get one tool, this is the one I would encourage you to have. If you don't have this, if you don't have this, unless you are dirt poor and homeless and have no money, I'm going to encourage you, before you spend money on anything else, buy this. Okay? Uh, Not every study Bible is equal. I read a study Bible earlier this week and was appalled by what I read. 
Just be honest with you. Uh, so, but this one, there are some other good ones besides this. But I'm just telling you right up front, not everything that calls itself a study Bible is a good tool. But this is a fantastic tool. The notes were actually written by the translation team of roughly 100 Hebrew and Greek uh, scholars and theologians from around the world, various denominations. And so it's got a great introduction to every book of the Bible. It's got lots of notes. I think like, I don't know, it's like 10,000 notes or something ridiculous like that. But it isn't going to always answer every question you have, uh, uh, but it will answer a lot of your questions. By the way, if you've got young children and you're wanting them to read through the Bible and you're wanting to help them, this is called the NIRV Adventure Bible. NIRV is the New International Reader's Version. It's basically the NIV Bible that's been written uh, at a way that a 9-year-old, 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old could read it and understand it for themselves. And so, but a great little tool. It's got some neat things in here. You know, it's got these little, uh, I don't know, you can't see it, but it's got some neat stuff in there for, for kids. And I'll be honest with you. Hey, kids, we got any kids here today? I've used this at times when I'm getting ready for my messages to try to think about how to speak to you guys, but I didn't do it this week. That's why today's message is really messed up. So sorry about that. So anyway, uh, but get a tool, uh, get a good tool. Uh, fourth thing I'm going to encourage you to do, plug into a healthy church, a healthy church where the word of God is taught. The thing is, is we need to read the scriptures for ourselves, but we also need to be taught by others who have a gift of teaching, who've spent maybe a little bit more time studying than, than we have to help us with this. So, for example, me, I never preach a sermon. I've never, that I can think of, ever uh, preached a sermon where I have not sat down and read through several commentaries on that text before I go into it and preach it myself. I never study commentaries. I study the Word of God, the Bible. But then I like to look at other people who are a lot smarter than me, who have a lot more education than I do, and I do have a substantial amount of education, very, very good education at an extremely good school. But even with that, it is always important for me to look and read and see what other people who are smarter than I am, what insights they bring. And this is what I see is if I'm coming to a conclusion and nobody else is really reading it that way, well, I just write all those guys off. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that if I find that I'm not uh, in agreement with other people, it's important for me to go back and really read and study the Word of God more. And I uh, always want to read the Scriptures, understand it in its text, its context, but also reading it, interpreting Scripture with Scripture. So looking at Scripture as a whole. So for today, we looked at Matthew chapter 5, but we also looked at a lot of John, uh, the Gospel of John, to help us understand uh, how the teaching of Jesus is so important for us. So uh, read read the, your Bible consistently, read it systematically, get a good tool to help you, plug into a healthy local church, and then finally, I'm just going to, the last one I'm going to say is this, is pray, pray, pray. Pray Scripture into your life. Remember what Jesus said? The wise man is the one who, what? He heard the teaching, but then what did he do? He put it into practice. What did the foolish man do? He heard. He heard. He went to church. He did. He went to church. He maybe even picked up his Bible and read it. But then after he read it, 
He just kind of forgot about it. He chose to live his life by his own foolishness, his own internal GPS, instead of God's GPS. Uh, I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and come on back up. All of us need, all of us need uh, a, a spiritual GPS that guides us in all matters of life, relationships, and faith, including how we build our marriages, how we build our families. We need truth that never changes. We need a spiritual moral compass that always points true north, a compass that doesn't bend and sway with the latest trends and ideas and the opinions of celebrities. Let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, your word tells us that the wise man is the person who heard your teaching and then put it into practice. And God, today, that's what we want to do. Uh, We want to be wise people who we don't just simply read the word, hear the word, and then forget about it. But we want to be people who hear the word, read the word, and put it into practice. Uh, Help us, God, to build our relationships, to build our marriages, to build our our families on uh, the compass, the GPS of your word. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Why don't we all stand up together as we close out. Nothing can separate, even if I ran away, your love never fails. I know I still make mistakes, you have new mercies for me every day, your love never fails. You stay the same through the ages Your love never changes There may be pain in the night But joy comes in the morning And when the oceans rage I don't have to be afraid Because I know that you love me your love never fails. The wind is strong. The wind is strong and the water is deeper. I'm not alone here in these open seas. Your love never fails. It's far too wide I never thought I'd reach the other side Your love never fails Thank you, Jesus Oh, you stay You stay the same through the ages Your love never changes There may be pain in the night But joy comes in the morning.
Have a great week.